sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. It's time for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I'm joined by Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment and in Interactive Investor. We're going to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. And one of the things that everybody, whether they're investors or not, is concerned about at the moment is the rate of inflation, which seems far more stubbornly high in the UK than elsewhere. So tell us about the latest data we've had. Yeah, sure. So we had the latest consumer price index for March, and that came in at 10.1%, which was above expectations. Analysts were hoping that it would finally drop into single digits. But unfortunately, it's stubbornly high, like you say, stuck above 10%, although it has come down from 10.4% in February, at least. Uh, we did see some price pressures ease for motor fuels, uh, clothing, restaurants and hotels. But there are upward effects that linger on from food and drink, recreation and culture. And food and non-alcoholic drink inflation is now at a 45-year high. It's at 19.2%. So you can see that that's much higher than the average. And bread and cereal inflation actually hit a record high. But even if you strip out some of those more volatile components like energy and food and alcohol and tobacco, inflation is still at 6.2%, which, of course, is more than three times higher than the Bank of England's target. Yes, and the Bank of England keep insisting it's nothing to do with them, Gov. Yep. Yeah. You sort of wonder, <laughs> so one commentator said, if they're not actually able to control inflation, why do we actually have them in charge of the target in the first place? Which seemed a pretty <laughs> fair point. And of course, I mean, you're you're far too young to do this, but most people in the old days, olden days, of course, use the RPI, which is no longer an official statistic, but is still published by the ONS, and that's still stubbornly above thirteen percent. Um, I mean, it always used to be said that was that was a more accurate reflection of how most people at the lower end of the scale felt about what prices were doing. I mean, food yeah. prices seem to be incredibly stubborn, though they're nowhere also stymied by energy because we we import so much of our energy. Um, yes, not looking yeah, 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 yeah. Um, great on that. Front. You're, you're right so, about um, how uh, you know different people have different inflation rates. Mm, Everyone has their own inflation yes. rate, depending on what your basket contains. Um, and the difficult thing about the type of inflation that we have at the moment is that it's affecting essential items like food. So unfortunately, it hits those at the lower end of the income spectrum uh, much harder in a disproportionate way. Yeah, um, we've had unemployment numbers as well. Um, so tell us about those. Yeah, also key for the Bank of England as it comes to decide what to do next. Uh, the jobless rate actually ticked up as well above expectations. It's now at 3.8%. And that's the highest since the second quarter of last year. Uh, 348,000 working days were lost because of labour disputes in February. And job vacancies, although they're still pretty high because of the shortages of workers in the UK, did come down. So that highlights the fact that businesses are becoming a bit more cautious about their hiring plans because of the sluggish economic backdrop, possibly opting for temporary workers uh, rather than taking on uh, more people onto their payrolls. And then a key closely watched part of this report as well is the wage data. Uh, and while we have seen average earnings grow, unfortunately, because of inflation, once those price pressures are taken into account, average pay, including bonuses, actually fell by 3%. But one positive was that the gap between public and private sector earnings growth has been narrowing a little bit. Okay, though, so clearly um, not the uh, 
their pensions, as all of us who are self-employed no. in the private sector will know. So um, it's time for us to take a quick break. We'll be back, though. There are more things to talk about. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Now, clearly, the inflation data is more stubborn than um, many economists are predicting, probably um, more stubborn than many people on the MPC were expecting. We've had an, a Bloomberg economist survey on what they're expecting from the Bank of England's next meeting. So what conclusion did they draw? Yeah, and I thought it was slightly odd timing because it was actually published before the inflation data came out. Um, so that's the caveat when we read into what this survey means. But uh, what the survey of economists uh, concluded was that uh, more than half of those polled believe that the Bank of England will refrain from raising its key rate at the next MPC policy meeting in May. But I think that certainly changed in recent days in light of that inflation figure, which of course came in hotter than expected. Yeah, th- those um, economists who tend towards looking at the money side of, of the economy have been saying for quite some while that money supply is contracting quite heavily, which would yeah. lead us to believe that inflation is going to turn down. It just seems to be rather, rather stubborn at the moment. Um, yeah, and we're seeing from, um, you know, lots of analysts in light of this economic data that actually now they are looking at another rate hike. You know, UBS has said that it's expecting the 12th rate hike in a row in May, which would lift the bank rate to four and a half percent. A former Bank of England yeah. policymaker, Michael Saunders, uh, told the BBC that he is looking for a similar move. Uh, but I think the big unknown is what actually happens beyond May. And there's this big discrepancy between what analysts are expecting, which is largely um, a pause, versus what financial markets are pricing in, which is that interest rates could go as far as 5% by the end of the year. So there's a big gap there. Uh, and I think it will really depend on, on the economic data, mm. how stubborn inflation really is in the months ahead. Yes, of course, for many people, of course, this is the first time they've got any experience, you know, in the markets of of stubborn and high inflation. Um, and many of us yeah. still around remember the, the 70s. I was pretty young at the at the time. Um, <laughs> now, for many people, I mean, including those heavily in debt, of course, inflation is actually quite good because you're inflating your debt away. Um, yeah, but probably includes um, governments around the world. But it <laughs> may affect whether uh, the economy actually manages to keep clear of a recession or not we we talked about this before you was you found some signs that maybe we weren't going to recession i think last time we spoke but uh, what's the likelihood now well uh, the government has been saying that we're not going to go into a recession um the obr which is uh, the government's independent official forecaster still anticipates that uk gdp will fall by 0.2% in 2023 but we're not going to fulfill that technical hurdle for a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. But we have had a bit more of a cheery update from the EY Item Club. It expects that the economy will actually expand this year, not very much by 0.2%, uh, but still, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, essentially, I think um, the forecasts are kind of coalescing around 0% growth on average this year um, <laughs> right. without that sort of two consecutive uh, quarters of negative uh, growth, which would mean that we are in a technical recession. Now, FTSE's been on something of a tear um, recently, hasn't it? Do you think that's going to be over? I mean, we always have to say markets look much further ahead than um, uh, <clears throat> many people tend to. Um, yeah. But the FTSE has been doing pretty well until recently. 
Yeah, I mean, the FTSE 100 did pretty well last year amid the backdrop of the market turmoil with that punch bowl of cheap money removed and uh, the tech wreck. Uh, and the FTSE 100 has long been criticised as the so-called Jurassic Park uh, index because of its lack of uh, sort of forward-looking technology uh, stocks. But actually, that saved it from a lot of pain last year. But even this year, the FTSE 100 has been doing quite well. It's up over 4% so far. Uh, and until Tuesday, it was enjoying its eighth consecutive day of gains, which was its best run since September, since December of 2020, uh, partly thanks to strong GDP figures from China, which boosted stocks in the mining sector. And also as the UK index uh, sort of recovers or uh, regains some ground following the turmoil that we had in the banking sector about a month ago. Um, but some of the best performing stocks, interestingly, are Rolls-Royce. That's been doing very, very well this year, um, although it's been an unloved stock for a long time. Flutter, uh, the gambling company, yeah. is doing extremely well. Um, and BT and Coca-Cola, HBC, those are the best performing stocks over the last uh, three months. Victoria, thank you very much. Yes, hard to believe that the FTSE is now considered a sort of dinosaur index. I can remember when the FTSE was, FTSE was new because the FT30 yes. was the dinosaur index. Time for a new index, clearly. Victoria, thank you very much. That's Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investor. Victoria will be back with me in a fortnight's time. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.